you had a panic attack in front of 300 people when you were younger, what triggered the panic attack, if you don't mind me asking, and what tips do you have for someone to regulate in the midst of a panic attack? What triggered it? I was in a... I see. I see. Welcome to another episode of Awaken Now What. I'm your host, JR. And I'm your co-host, Helen. Awaken Now What is a podcast that illuminates your spiritual awakening and ascension. So today's guest is the founder of That Healing Feeling, a company, a podcast, and a YouTube channel. She's a master mindset coach who helps women heal chronic symptoms through nervous system regulation, inspired by her own experience going from bedridden because of chronic disease to thriving in just nine months. Everybody, welcome Faith Ascendon. Hey, Faith. Wow, that was such a nice intro. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me here. Oh my God, we're so excited to have you here. So Faith, I listened to your latest podcast and it was such a journey for you to find your purpose as an NLP practitioner, hypnotherapist, and nervous system coach. Um, What's been your greatest joy knowing that you are living your life's mission? I, it, it's hard to like explain um, the happiness <laughs> and joy um, and abundance that is um, being able to help people heal and help people find happiness. I think like, and I'm sure you know this, like, you know, at the very highest level of the mind, living in your purpose and um, rooting your identity in that um, we know brings the most amount of joy and most amount of happiness. And it doesn't matter like what your purpose is. Like it could be like to get up every day and like show up on time to your job. And like, that's your purpose. And like, you're, you know, so happy with that. And that's amazing. And that's so fulfilling. And like, for me, um, this is absolutely my purpose. And sometimes I'm like, I can't believe it's possible to feel so much joy all the time. Um, energetically, like just every day is an up leveling and I'm so incredibly grateful. Like it's life is, is really, really rich in every way. You talked about the traumas and abuse from organized religion when you were, when you were younger. Uh, what inspired you to find your own meaning to spirituality? That is a good question. <laughs> you know, it's really difficult. It's funny because it's actually like not something I'd ever talked about um, until the podcast where I shared my story. And I think like so many of my students were like, um, you know, like we share our story in the group and you know our story, but like, what's your story? Because we kind of see you now and like little tidbits of like, yo, I relate to this or like, yeah, this one time where I was in this situation, but like, what is it really? You know, so that inspired me. And that was the first time I brought this like, hey, I was in this like really tight knit religious group slash cult like without 
wanting to tread on anyone's toes and be really sensitive to everyone I'm working with, um, this was really damaging, you know? Um, And I think like only if you're in a religion like that, can you understand how incredibly difficult it is to break free from that on a subconscious level when you know, and you guys know, like the subconscious is highly moral. So it's not just religiously moral. It's like everything that you're learning at this young age is either right or wrong. And it kind of falls and cements into a bucket. So when you bring something like religion and hell, you know, and dying and punishment into something that's already um, has evolved to be a highly moral um of just everything that like literally directs every action in your life. Um, it is incredibly, incredibly difficult to like fight those beliefs and even like perceive something outside of that. And so, you know, I like, for example, I didn't learn evolution. Like we weren't taught science. Mm. So I wasn't allowed to learn about outer space because then like, you know, there could be, I don't know, just things that we weren't allowed to learn about. Interesting. I wasn't allowed to learn about evolution or sex or anything that wasn't in alignment with creationism and just that really (laughs) like what we were supposed to do. Right. So everything was off limits except for their teachings. Yes. So I went to like a school that was really small. I had 11 people in my class um, and like we studied, it was a private school. So they were allowed to control the curriculum. Oh man. And it was like people from my church academically was good. Like people were going to Ivy league schools. Like people were, it was challenging. Um, how that happens without science. Now I'm kind of like the mind boggles, but like, um, we had a lot of philosophy classes. We were only allowed to take Latin. Um, we only like, we would do things like, I remember my husband, like still, he like, will pour a glass of wine and be like, tell me a story from the past. Like, it's just so crazy. Let's just, just, let's just tell me one thing you did. Like, I remember one time um, we had to write, I don't know if you've heard of the book Dante's Inferno, but I had to, in eighth grade, we had to write our own Dante's Inferno and like put people in it and like create their punishments for like their sins. Like this was like a really damaging upbringing. (laughs) Yeah. So I broke free from that at 16. Um, having lived in that, um, I was not allowed to leave my school and I was not allowed to leave my church. So I purposely plagiarized a history paper so that I would get expelled um, because they weren't letting me leave the school. Like it was a small school. So they could kind of be involved in your life and call you and bribe you and whatever. Um, and I left and I went to public school which like was my mother's worst thing, Uh, like, you know, therapy, like being shipped away, all sorts of stuff. Um, Got kicked out of my house. It was like a huge thing. Um, And when I went to the University of Texas at Austin, I learned about evolution. And I I took um, quantum physics. I took neurobiology. Mm And I was drawn to it because I didn't have this background. I had a good educational background, but I was missing what I now do and teach, you know, like, um, which is why I'm so drawn or which was why I was so drawn academically to studying. I was addicted to learning because I had missed out on not only this information, but the ability to think laterally, independently. Um, And it was in, um, I was like 20 when it all just clicked for me, um, that it was a lie, 
like what I had been taught was a lie. It took me a lot of years to break free from these like reins that were of, you know, fear driven things that held me down. And I think like from then really like till now I'm 32, it's been a journey of like constantly unlearning and relearning and and pushing the boundaries. But I think what was really valuable for me was I was forced to question everything I knew to be true in order to step in the reality of freedom that I wanted for myself. And when you do something like that, you can then question anything like, oh, yeah, like I can, you know, another way to heal. That's easy when you have to question whether or not you're going to go to hell and all of a sudden, actually, maybe you're not. And whoa, like the mind boggles or actually God didn't just place me here on the planet, but perhaps there was something else that happened. So I had this beautiful opportunity to challenge these preconceived notions and rewire my subconscious. And it helped me so much in what I do and in my healing because I had already flexed that muscle. Talk about traumatic, right? <laughs> it's a powerful crap. story too. Yeah, very powerful, very inspiring. And yeah, you were so vulnerable in your latest episode. So thank you for sharing your story with the world. Let's talk about trauma. With your clients, what have you noticed is the leading form of trauma, whether that be abuse, death and loss of a loved one, or is it something else? It's interesting. Um Because a lot of times with my clients, it's the chronic illness that is the trauma. And I think that I like to talk about it because people don't. There's this whole emotional side to having a chronic illness diagnosis that isn't part of the narrative. And that is a huge trauma. We are wired to fight for safety and for health. Um... And when you are told that your health is taken away and your safety in a lot of situations and you wake up day in and day out feeling horrible, getting bad news after bad news about your body and your well-being, this is a trauma. And so it's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Sometimes I have clients who have these stories of abuse in some capacity and or just like being raised by a parent who was very hypervigilant, hadn't done their own healing. Um... So as you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be some like huge event. Like it can be like these micro events that compile into the same effect. Um, And then on top of that, these symptoms that they're dealing with in this loss of safety in their life is a huge trauma and not having that support again, just like compiles and, and then they end up always with chronic illness and debilitating anxiety. And so I think I I like to talk about it. Like, let's talk about the trauma of this because usually by the time they get to me, they're like, I've never even thought of that, Mm. you know? And like, you're living with this every day and you haven't even given yourself this grace or considered the trauma that you're going through. As a pharmacist, I can definitely say that um, I know the, what do we call it? Compartmentalization of the emotional part. Um, You know, even thinking about my schooling, as a pharmacist, sure, you're taught like how to be empathetic and to listen to the um, patients, but not to the degree that now as a coach and energetic healer that I know is necessary. Definitely. I mean, practitioners aren't trained. And even my practitioners that I love and have absolutely helped me heal in so many ways, like are referring to me because the education isn't there, um, at all, you know, unless even, even when you're 
like in a more integrative space or more aware of this emotional component, God, we are so like behind on this kind of support. And um, I'm just glad that people are talking about it now and that Instagram and TikTok and all of this information is out there so people can can heal because you can't heal without it. And it's why so many people are sick. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the long-term changes in the body. So trauma is known to cause epigenetic changes um, to the body's stress system over time. How can trauma wear down the body over time and what are the symptoms that uh, occur? It's interesting because like people with chronic conditions will say that their pain is getting worse over time and it also comes on faster. And what's happening isn't usually that they're actually getting more sick in the way they think. What's happening is that they're so hypervigilant or they're so dysregulated because of whatever their trauma is that their healing mechanisms have shut down. Their neural pathways for pain have strengthened and their body is responding, is screaming for help and healing through intensifying the pain, through turning off the digestion, um, through increasing anxiety, which, you know, people sort of describe as like these racing thoughts and the heart beating. We know it's happening physiologically. Um, these, these symptoms in the body of this intensifying of whatever like their symptoms are and like it manifests in so many different ways as well. So usually like just to give a little bit of background and to rein it back, um, cause I think a lot of people don't know this, that, um, neural pathways in the brain are kind of like a muscle. So like if you go to the gym and like, I can really relate to this cause I've recently had two babies. If I go try to do an ab workout and I'm trying to lift the weight I did before I got pregnant, it is like, you feel, I feel weak. I'm like, oh my God, I've got no strength. But the more I go, the easier it gets. And very quickly, if I'm doing this consistently, I can lift that weight, if not more again. Um, and most people can relate to this sort of like gym analogy. So pain is the same way. So in the brain, what's happening when we experience pain is the brain is sending a signal to the body, which is pain, which is a message to say, hey, you need to act. So if you put your hand on a stove, pain is sent so that you move your hand, right? If you stub your toe, this is acute situations where we're experiencing pain. When it becomes chronic, the brain does something really interesting because it's highly efficient. It doesn't want to have to keep sending that message over and over. Mm -hmm. Anything that happens over and over, we memorize. So these are habits, right? Like we know we wake up in the morning, we do the same thing every single day. That's a habit that we don't have to think about it anymore. So we automate it. That's what happens with chronic pain. So that neural pathway is going to say trigger pain, trigger pain. I'm not even going to think about it. If we see that thing, if we touch that thing, if we eat that thing, whatever that person's trigger is, I'm going to send pain. And if that person keeps thinking about it, I'm going to make the pain stronger. I'm going to make the pain faster because why are they not acting? Why won't they stop putting themselves in danger? So you have all these people who are doing the work to heal and they're like, why is my gut still broken? Why is my back still hurting? Like, why do I have these problems? And it's not because they're not physically healing. It's because this neural pathway is insanely strong. And what it's thinking is that everything is dangerous, right? And so that's the language of the nervous system. It's um, safety or danger. And so we're focusing on the wrong thing. We need to be focusing on these neural pathways, right? And so what's happening in the body, um, if we're not releasing um, 
these emotions and this trauma, our nervous system gets stuck in this tightly wound state, like this bound potential energy, which is trauma. Um, and it turns on the pain signals. It turns on the signals of danger and intensifies the pain. And there's this huge cascade effect and it's keeping people sick. And so there's this emotional component. There's this, you know, neuro biology, this neuroscience, this neuroplasticity component where we need to create new pathways. Um, and all of it comes down to regulating because when we regulate, we have the capacity to cope, the capacity to release. And it's our internal way of healing. And we did it for so long, but in this you know new environment, like our bodies haven't caught up. And so unless we make a conscious effort to regulate, we can't release. And so that's why I like put everything down to like, I teach people to regulate because to say it's like brain training or trauma, you know, like all of it is one in the same. And when you regulate, you touch on every tiny piece of that. So for someone who is so hardwired with their neural pathways, whenever they see something, it sends them pain. Regulation is, is the solution. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, because when you regulate, brain training becomes very easy. Like, for example, um, I was saying this on another podcast. The exercises to train your brain are very easy. Mm. Um, it's not the exercises that are difficult. It's your ability to respond with the exercises in the moment. So if you're not regulated, what happens is you go instantly into that sympathetic fight-flight response, and that turns off your logic centers. So you can't think right? So you can't then in the moment, like most people will know if they're spiraling, that maybe it's a bit silly, but you can't talk yourself down because you don't need logic in survival. So mm -hmm. if you're regulated, the power is in the response. You can respond before those logic centers turn off and employ a brain training technique. So it's simple things like mental imagery, thinking of a different image, saying a different word, feeling in the body, but you can't employ that unless you have the capacity to downregulate into this parasympathetic state in response to a trigger. So it's not about saying that trigger is never going to hurt again. It's about saying you're going to respond to that trigger and catch yourself before you go straight into fight or flight. Um, and that is that regulation technique that slowly, like a muscle, starts to get stronger, stronger and easier, and it becomes automatic. And that is how we train these neural pathways. Such an important episode. Oh my God. <laughs> I think everyone needs to learn about trauma. Everyone needs to learn about, about this stuff. I mean, so this is really rich content. And as somebody who has a background in science and has, is in the field of work, like it's for us, it becomes like ABCs, right? So what happens when you get new people and you're sharing these, can you see that they go to dysregulation? Cause it's like all new and they can't believe it. I'm just kind of curious to the receiving of that from people. So when I get someone in my program, um, they're usually quite, they have some knowledge of it because it is a big investment in a time, from a time standpoint, financially, et cetera. So when they get there, they're sort of bought in. And what actually happens is they hear it and they're inspired. They're like, yes, this is it. This is going to get me over the line. And it's about four weeks in 
that that like dopamine wears off and all of a sudden it's like oh my god it's real life <laughs> and what's difficult about this work is the discipline because we know motivation is fleeting and it's getting over that line of like the dopamine is gone and you're back to the habits and um, you don't have the strength to pull yourself out of that dark place. You don't want to get up and do this work. Um, and so I find that it's received really well. And where I come in, um, especially beyond just like educating is when like my clients hit that spot of like, oh my God, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like spiraling. I'm back in despair and like bringing them out and giving them the tools to get them over the line to where they actually have created these new pathways and they're good to like go on their own. Like, okay, fly, you've got it. But <laughs> until then it requires a lot of heavy lifting. Right, right, right. <laughs> you were talking about this er uh, earlier. We were essentially talking about neuroplasticity uh, the brain's ability to reorganize itself, both in structure and how it functions. Can you elaborate more on that and that and how explain how um, we can do it at any age? Well, that's it. We can do it at any age. You know, we used to think that um, only children had plastic brains, essentially. Right. So like people will say, oh, their brain is a sponge. And it is. Um, but it doesn't mean that because this is the way you think or this is the way you are, this is just it because you're an adult, too bad. Our brains are plastic forever. We can always change not just the way we think, but the actual structure of our brain. Um, for example, when we experience trauma, the hippocampus, it shrinks. We can change that when we heal. We can increase its size. Like We have the power in the way that we think to change the structure. So we manifest with our thoughts. We change our physical structure by thinking differently. And everything starts in the mind. And it's a really good way. And it's how I hook in all my like clients with a science background because I do have um, all sorts. I have therapists. I have doctors, nurses, psychiatrists. You know, like, you know, people are kind of like, what is she talking about? I don't know if they just want to know or they actually want the help. But um you know, talking about manifestation, for example, and it's not in my curriculum, but I like to use this as an example because it resonates with a lot of people. Um, that if you if your thoughts can physically change the structure of your brain, like what dictates everything you do, like it yeah, is real. real. Um, and we can prove it. And it's not just the structure of our brain. Of course, we can go into how it sends chemical messengers that influence every cell in our body. I mean, like our thoughts manifest physically, but it being plastic means that we can change at any time, at any point, even on a subconscious level. We can change the way our nervous system reacts. We can communicate to our nervous system by changing our brains and literally heal our bodies. Like all of the power is within. Um, and we now know that to be true. So it's very exciting. Yeah, this is all data-backed, science-backed, and researched. This is all hard data for all the uh, hardcore science people out there that your thoughts control your reality, and this is proven. It's proven. Um, what are the tried and true, your tried and true methods to help someone reprogram and build these new neural connections in their brain? So I think the most important thing to understand, and I really can't emphasize this enough, the exercises are easy. The hard part is the identity shift. Mm. So... If you identify as sick, and most people with chronic illness do, obviously, like completely normal human response, you've been told you're sick by highly educated professionals, you're waking up every day collecting evidence that you're sick, 
you're sick. That's your identity. Mm -hmm. You cannot heal an opposition to your identity. It's physically impossible because the subconscious is highly moral. We talked about this. If it believes that your identity is sick, it will look for evidence because the, the mind is evidence collecting. All it does is collect evidence, right? It will look for evidence in every scenario to prove to you that you are sick. It's highly efficient. It's like a machine. It's going to find evidence for what you want your identity to be. That's it. So even if like there was an opportunity to find healing in your day, the brain would actually delete that information. So the brain can't take in 2 million bits of information every second, which is approximately what we're hit with. So what it does, being the effective, efficient machine that it is, is it deletes, distorts, and generalizes anything that's not in alignment with your identity. So if you identify as a sick person, it will literally delete anything that's not in alignment in your day-to-day life with that identity. So the hardest part about regulating, and just to keep in mind, the nervous system language, like we said, is either safety or danger. So if you identify as sick, you are sending the message on a subconscious and unconscious level that you are consistently in danger, keeping your nervous system stuck in a place where it cannot heal. So in order to have, um, like to, to use these techniques and be effective, you must switch your identity to someone who's either healthy or healing. I don't really care. Like, to be honest, it doesn't even matter because what we think isn't even real. We create our reality. So just, you can make up whatever you want it to be, right? Like it just, it, as long as it's in alignment with, with the future that you want. So if you're coming to me, your future is to be healthy right? So you either have to identify as healing or healthy or something else that resonates with that. That's the hardest part. Because when you do that, then your brain will delete, distort, and generalize anything that's not in alignment with healing or that's not in alignment with healthy. And all of a sudden, you're sending messages of safety. And when you send those messages of safety, these very simple techniques that I teach um, are highly effective. So a lot of people have tried brain training and they're like, why does it not work for me? And I'm like, because you cannot heal in opposition to your identity. Um, so I think that's my biggest strength is like, I really understand the levels of the mind and especially the subconscious mm. and can help people shift easily because we focus a lot on the identity, like for two months every day, this is like an identity program. Right. Essentially building and strengthening those new neural connections each and every day, making it a daily practice. Yes, exactly. Could you share a story of a uh, client and their identity shift and what you saw? Oh my gosh. Yes, I've got so many inspiring clients. Like Mm -hmm. um, I have um, one client who had really severe asthma. So she used to do weightlifting Um, and then she was in and out of the hospital. She had to give up everything. She had to leave her apartment, stay at home. She had developed a phobia of flying, understandably so, because she was constantly having asthma attacks that led her to the hospital. She couldn't leave her house without, you know, inhaler and then prednisone and a series of other medications. Um, came in, she's actually done my program twice. Um, not because it didn't work, but because she loved it. (laughs) And I do have people who do that. They're like, I don't want it to be done. Um, and she came in and like everyone else was, you know, I'm kind of like the last resort. People are like, okay, I'm just going to like try Western medicine. And I'm going to try some Eastern medicine. And it's like, okay, nothing's working. I guess I like there, maybe there's something in this like whole nervous system thing. So fine. You know, it was like, that's (laughs) the time they get to me. So she was like in that boat, it's been 10 years, she has like debilitating anxiety, can't get out of bed, can't do anything. 
in less than eight weeks, not only um, was she not taking the prednisone, not using her inhaler, but she was skating again, going on walks again. She flew to Europe. She flew to where I was and we didn't get to meet up because I ended up getting pregnant and very sick, but we were going to meet up. Um, she went back to school and is now writing a book about her healing and mm. um, is just like, to be honest, she's wonderful and amazing, but I have so many stories like that. And it's really funny because it's not me, right? It's like, she's the one who did the work. Um, but it's, it's just having that a little bit of direction and a lot of emotional support in, in those specific moments. Um, but you know, it was such a drastic shift in identity. Like she went from being this sick person to back at the gym, like flying around the world, writing it, but like doing all these amazing things in less than two months and had been sick for like 10 years, you know, and I'm just seeing it all the time. And it's, it's just is why I like feel this like constant, like, surge of excitement because I'm like I get to witness these like miracles like as my job <laughs> you know it's just incredible I want to talk about uh prolonged cortisol release as it pertains to pregnant women so it's my understanding that cortisol can be absorbed through the placenta and then affect the child um in the, in the affect the fetus and then affect the child after birth is what are your um what's your research behind that and what what are your thoughts it's a really difficult one because there's like a you know i have a lot of women who follow me mm -hmm. so i i tread lightly because if they are pregnant i don't want to make them more mm. anxious mm -hmm. if they're already do, you know like and saying oh my god like your baby is going to have these problems <laughs> you know <laughs> You know what I mean? Like if you're a mother, even if you haven't met your child, you definitely don't want that yeah, to be the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you have to be really careful, but I think um, a really good lens to take on it. And what I tell my clients is you can pass down trauma. You can pass down your vagal tone. Um, certainly you can pass down a lot, but you can also pass down healing. Like the epigenetic changes that take place when you release trauma and regulate the nervous system and the strength in your vagal tone and all of that. And like that, you know, you detox better when you're regulated. And so we know toxins travel through the umbilical cord, all this stuff. You pass that down when you heal. So you can break the curse, you know, like you can be the one who heals once and for all so that your child. And I had a client who has Graves disease. I had Graves disease at one point and she said, you know, I'm so worried. I joined this program because I'm so worried I'm going to pass that on to a child when I get pregnant. And it was so funny because I said, I'd never even thought of that. And I have two kids, you know, but consider myself as that something so in my past life. And I was like, you don't, because when you heal, you know, that's not going to be part of like the story anymore. Um, it was my story from my, my, my aunt and my grandma and her grandma, you know, and, um, I think like that's the lens to take because there is a lot out there on like all the damage you can do and very little out there on the fact that you can stop that, um, that this internal work in and of itself beyond like the physical stuff and the way that you eat and all the other stuff that's incredibly important. Like this also passes down. And we talk about things like vagal tone. A lot of people love to talk about the vagus nerve. Um, it's, the most important nerve in the parasympathetic nervous system. You can hack your nervous system by strengthening your vagal tone. You can pass that on to your babies so that they don't have to worry about all this stuff. Like their baseline is like where you are now after all that hard work. And all you have to do is do simple exercises to strengthen the vagus. Nerve. And so it's like, 
I think like the the important lens to take is that like do this work because you know that like it's going to have a huge impact. But I would say, yeah, like there are consequences to the other side of it as well. Um, but it tends to make people spiral when we focus on it too right. much, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's remembering that what we focus on grows, right? So choose the, the ones that serve us. <laughs> you mentioned the hippocampus earlier, and whenever we experience trauma, it shrinks. Can you go over some tips and methods to get our hippocampus back to its normal capacity? Yeah, I like I think I shared two on um on Instagram or TikTok or the other day. But one of my yeah. yeah. So I mean I know it sounds like people are always like, Do you include meditation in your um program? And like I love meditation, but I also don't want to be cliche and I understand that it's like very difficult when you're anxious. Um however, <laughs> we know that meditation is one of the best ways to do that. Um but I think the important thing to note is like meditation doesn't have to be like sitting on a like meditation pillow and like, you know, with your like essential oils and that can be great. And I think that that's awesome if that works for you and there are benefits. But, um, I think like just focusing on mindfulness meditation as a good place to start is a useful technique. And what I mean by that is we spend 48% of the day in our thinking mind. So we're just what do I have to do tomorrow? Ooh, did I send this email? Oh, I have the, you know, you know the drill. Like we're thinking about stuff. We're not present. When we are mindful and when we meditate, that percentage goes down, right? So we're actually like living more in the moment. Um, and we're actually extending our lives if you think about it that way. Because like if you're less in the mind and you're more present, you're adding years onto your life, mm. right? You're also... Um, for every minute that you practice this mindfulness meditation, you get nine minutes back in productivity. And I think that's because, you, you know, the hippocampus um, is heavily involved with um, modulating that stress response as well as long-term memories. And so if you consider those two variables, um, you're going to be more productive. Mm. So there's so many benefits to these exercises, but I think it's more about like having fun with it. Like you can be mindful, mindfully meditating and walking, do both at the same time. That also helps increase the, um, the size of the, of the hippocampus. Um, focusing on your breath is a really important one because that helps with regulating. So if you can sit down for 30 seconds and focus on your breath, what that does is it increases your ability to come back to the breath when you're triggered um, and that your bounce back rate is going to determine your success and your ability to regulate. So it's not that you got triggered, it's that you bounced back that is the the key to regulating. And so if you can focus on your breath for 30 seconds to a minute every day, eventually when you start getting triggered, you can bounce back to your breath um, and then you'll start to regulate. Um, so again, these are like ways that in what I teach, we tie it into, yes, like we're going to help structurally in the brain, but also let me show you how this applies to like 20 other things that we're working on that's going to support you in your efforts to heal, regulate, release, like all that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, breath work, uh, there, breath work is, is a huge modality within the spirituality space. I do breath work. I try to do it every day, but the, the benefits of it, as you just explained are tremendous, tremendous. Um, in your episode with Ali Bonner, that was a great episode. Um, okay. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, yeah, it was about spiritual awakening. I was like, I have to listen to this one. I have to listen to this one. Uh, you said that if we're not releasing trauma, it's sitting. And I thought that was so profound. My mentor, Andrew Bartzess, actually has a similar analogy. 
Um, he says trauma is undigested consciousness. Hmm. And it just got me thinking everyone just has to look at their traumas for us to live in, in a better, more compassionate, loving world. Everyone has to heal through their traumas and look at their traumas. I mean, yes. Oh my God. Like it's just so important and it's so hard. And I think as well, like there's not, um, education on it. Like people really have to search on, and there's a lot of empty promises out there. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to visit something so painful and then be let down over and over again and, you know, think, well, then why am I going to keep trying if like, it's not going to work for me. Um, but you can't be like the full expression of yourself if that energy is sucking part of your essence out of you. Mm -hmm. Like I see it as like, you know, emotions are energy in motion. So it can't be dissolved. It has to be released. So if you're not releasing it, it's just dampening you, like your, your consciousness, your essence, like the version, the version of you that you want to be. And what you want is on the other side of releasing, um, what's dampening that. And like, so it's why um, it feels a lot like there's like a storm before you like come out of it and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, like I get it now. But like you have to go through it. You do. And like um, I think like for me, it's it's once you do go through the layer, you'll have like a really good period of time and you're like, yes, this is great. I've healed. And then like your body's like, okay, so now you're ready for the next layer. And you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and, they're like, and it just keeps happening and happening. And I think forever, like it is happening, right? Like as long as we live in this dimension, like yeah. we are storing energy, we're releasing energy. And like, sometimes it gets stuck and then it needs to be released. Or sometimes it's so deep and it's not safe to be released until you're ready. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it's like, life's going good. So then boom, there's the energy. And that happened to me recently. Um, and I, I think I was talking about this on my stories. I, I don't, have you heard of rapid resolution therapy? I haven't Helen. I, yeah, I've heard of it, but I didn't look into it. Oh my gosh. So I'm getting certified in it now because I am like that. I'm so like, every time I find something that I love, I like, just in case I don't, I'm not busy enough. I'm like, I'm going to go back to school, but I really am because I learned about it. Um, and I had some stuff come up in this like, um, analogy that I've described like one layer and then the next layer. And I, um, was like, you know, I really want to try this because it's basically, it releases a single trauma in 90 minutes by Mm. speaking to the subconscious. And I've done a lot of trauma work. So I was like, I've heard good things. I have to do this. I have to know because if it's working, I have to learn so I can help other people do this. And if not, then I lose out on 90 minutes. Um, so initially that was my goal, but it works for me because some stuff had come up. And when I say that I energetically felt the energy leave my body, I was t- describing this to my husband who basically is like the healthiest, happiest person is like never had a trauma. And he's like, okay, that's cool. And I'm like, no, let me, let me just like tell you, he's like, well, whatever it is, it seems to be working for you. So that's, that's great. <laughs> like, let me tell you. I felt the energy literally leave my body. And when I say that, like, I energetically leveled up, like, it is so black and white, like, the the energy that now, like, is able to occupy my space because that's not holding me down anymore and the way that I'm showing up um, and the ideas that are, like, coming to me and, like, letting me use them to help other people, like, it is so important. I'm always trying to find new ways to get the information out there and to help people do the work because like everything they want 
is right in front of them releasing that which is not serving them. Powerful, powerful words. Holy crap. Thank you, Faith. (laughs) As you healed from Graves' disease, doctors continue to suggest that you take Adderall. What are your thoughts on Big Pharma's remedies for trauma uh, with all these meds and pills they throw at us? Well, Big Pharma doesn't know anything about trauma. Exactly. I mean, (laughs) I don't know, like... It's not even, I don't have thoughts because to me, it's, they don't know. Like they they see the manifestations of that trauma and physical symptoms and try to suppress them. Um, And emergency situations and stuff like that is really good. Um, And my situation wasn't that good. Uh, It's hard. In your latest episode, you kept talking about in, in college, back when you were in college, uh, drink a lot of coffee. It was coffee, Adderall, and cigarettes. Oh. <laughs> and it kind of reminded me of my <laughs> own, like, my, mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of reminded me of back in college. I'm like, I, I smoked so many cigarettes. I drank a lot of coffee and I experimented with that, with Adderall. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was funny. Helen's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Not good for the nervous system. Yeah. My brain goes straight to the biology. I'm like, whoa, it's a lot of this uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah she's like, like <laughs> She's like, in your heart, is it okay? Or like, <laughs> I noticed that somatic practices for moving stress out of the body uh, involve a lot of movement, whether that's running, jumping. Can you go over some exercises for the listeners to um, to move stress out of the body? Yeah, and I think like a lot of people don't, or might be by, like, kind of confused by that because um, it's not like maybe the common narrative that um, obviously we talked about like emotions or energy in motion and they are, you know, energy can't be created or destroyed. Um, so it, it has to go somewhere and it's stored in the body. Um, and so, yes, a lot of, um, a lot of people use talk therapy to release trauma. A lot of the reasons why it doesn't work is because we cannot intellectualize this. Mm-hmm. Um, the feelings are the language of the body. We can't intellect, we all have them. We can't intellectualize them. These traumas um, in the same way need to be a lot of times um, released through this physical movement like you're talking about versus intellectualized, right? Mm-hmm. Because when we, we talk about something, what happens is our nervous system thinks it's actually happening. So this is important. Oh. Like our nervous system doesn't know the difference between reality and what we're thinking. So we could essentially be re-traumatizing ourselves. Yes. Wow. Not essentially. That's exactly what we're doing. And this is why it's very, you know, like, and of course, like trained practitioners know this and are highly, you know, I'm sure like very careful in the way that they support people. And I'm not saying it can't work, but what I'm saying is be careful what you think about because um, your thoughts are your reality. Like your brain doesn't know. It just doesn't know that it's not real. So when you're spiraling, your brain's like, oh my God, this is happening. This is happening, which is why a thought can trigger you, mm-hmm. not it actually happening. We've all experienced that because, you know, and, and you can form neural pathways like just from thinking that something is dangerous. So, and the, the opposite is also true. Just a question. So when we watch mo- like scary movies, we're recreating all this. Yeah. I mean, I, I do tell my students, um, you know, one of the things we do is we, we start to listen to the body more. Uh-huh. So how am I feeling inside? How is my, like, what is my, cause feelings Again, feelings are the language of the body. So your body's trying to tell you something. And usually it's trying to tell you whether it feels safe or in danger. 
Um, so we can feel like a lot of us feel like if the stomach drops, like, oh, that's scary. Mm -hmm. Or like, I feel like I'm going to be sick. You know, like these are a lot of things that we say if something scares us or makes us anxious, um, the rush of adrenaline, whatever. Um, so I would say to not engage in activities yeah. um, that don't make you feel good inside right. unless you have to, right? Because I mean, of course, like sometimes we don't always like feel our best. But um, one of the things we do on day one of my program is this sort of digital detox. Mm. Like, how do you feel when you encounter this? We're not talking about food. We don't even talk about food. We're only talking about things we do internally. Um, everything is internal. So what are you going to detox um, that's not supporting the version of yourself you want to be and usually beyond social media not all social media but like you know reddit whatever it is like certain movies certain mm -hmm. tv shows i can't tell someone what how it makes them feel so that's why it's so important to get in tune with like how you feel because maybe for you you feel great and it like doesn't bother you i don't know like for me i can't watch scary movies i don't like it helen can't either <laughs> helen can't either <laughs> even violence like it's like too much me neither much. i i don't like it um wow i i know i strayed from your your question but i no i think I, I strayed in some capacity but it's important to note but yeah so the the reason why we do these somatic um of the body moves is actually we're releasing that energy um so that's kind of like where that's coming from so it's a way that you can release without reliving it it's a gentle way to release energy without putting your nervous system through anything um, by having to intellectualize it. Um, so that's why somatics is really nice mm. um, because most people want a fast, easy way as much as they can to release isn't serving them. They're really easy things. Um, the biggest focus I would say is on the hips um, because the hips is like the majority, a lot of our trauma is stored in the hip area. So I don't know, um, like if anyone's done sort of like hip opener exercises in yoga, but all of those are releases. Mm. So even if you were to like Google or YouTube, like hip opener, um, or hip release anywhere where you're like opening your hips out and pushing them in. I did one on TikTok today where you're like laying down with your feet, um, like your knees bent and you're literally like almost butterflying your knees out and in and as your knees go in they'll often shake mm -hmm. um that shaking is releasing the energy i want to try that so simple things like that that aren't talked about that could right. be so helpful for people to do you right. know once a day it takes two seconds mm -hmm. jump squats I don't actually even, I mean, maybe, yeah, I don't Throwing know. I, I hate jump squats. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really don't like jump squats. Um, so I haven't actually, <laughs> I used to, but I'm kind of like in this like more chill movement phase right now after, yeah. I mean, I my baby is four and a half months old, but you know, I'm still like a bit postpartum. So I'm like, but yeah, maybe jump squats could be good. I'm sure they do. Awesome. Yeah, they're tough. They're tough, but um, sounds like a, a move that can move stress out of the body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, any, any way you're shaking or moving in that way, you're moving stress out of the body. Like we all uh, right. think of a dog who like shakes after they, yeah. you know, that's it. It's release. It's regulating. It's releasing. So like do a shake, do a jump. Like that's going to release that, that energy. Um, yeah. people feel a bit silly doing it, but it works. <laughs> yeah. We need more silliness anyway. We <laughs> <Exactly>. do. <laughs> yes, we do. You had a panic attack in front of 300 people when you were younger. What triggered the panic attack, if you don't mind me asking, and what tips do you have for someone to regulate in the midst of a panic attack? What triggered it? I was in a church. Oh. 
<laughs> I see. I see. <laughs> the association was very strong yeah. in my brain. Like I hadn't done, you know, like I hadn't really f- fully healed, obviously. And that association of like religious place and danger was very strong enough to incite that type of panic because, of course, my poor body was like, this is like really not a safe place. Like we associate this with um, learning that we're going to die in a fiery hell forever, which is something we don't want. So we need to leave. Um, we are not safe. And that just kind of builds on itself. So that's what happened to me. And that's why it's really important to um, release so that you aren't triggered. If you're easily triggered, you're not regulated, right? So um, when we release this and we become regulated, we can cope a lot better. This is how we learn to cope so that we don't have these problems. So it's like a preventative method. It's kind of like thinking of preventative health, like you go to the gym, you eat healthy, you take your supplements, like you do your breath work, you do a meditation, like this preventative stuff so that you can prevent these health issues down the line. that's what releasing trauma also helps you with and regulating helps you with like you're preventing any more trauma from happening because you'll have the skills to cope with these events um, so that it won't be stored. Um, But for, for someone who is working on that journey, um, a couple things, the first thing always for me is the breath. Um, The breath is the strongest tool we have um, to help ourselves regulate. It is the part of the autonomic nervous system that we can control Um, everything else runs on autopilot. So we're not controlling our heart beating right now. We've been talking, people have been listening. It's been beating like we've been, you know, it's just like digestion. I'm not instructing it consciously to happen or not happen. It's doing its own thing. Um, but our breath is the one part that we can consciously control. And when we do, we sort of trick the nervous system into following suit. So if we are experiencing anxiety, that breath is going to come up into the chest. It's going to come really, it's going to become really shallow. Um, and our whole body is shifting into the survival place. So if we're having a panic attack, that is likely to happen. You see in movies, people are breathing into a bag, trying to slow it down. Um, in reality, if we can bring our breath down into the diaphragm and breathe slowly, our nervous system is going to think that it was, it's now safe to shift into parasympathetic. It's going to sort of automatically as it does follow suit. And so I always like to use the breath one, because you always have it on you. Like, you know how to do it. You've been doing it your whole life. So, you know, it's like, don't worry. You you don't have to panic about bringing something in your bag. Like you can do it wherever you are. No one's going to notice that you're breathing because everyone's doing it. Um, And three, it's like a biohack. Like you, you trick your nervous system into going into, um, parasympathetic. The fastest way to come down is to breathe deep and to breathe slow. Um, the exhale is where parasympathetic happens. Um, so if you are panicking, um, you want to focus on exhaling longer than inhaling, um, because that's, what's going to activate it. And also that diaphragm breathing is going to of course stimulate the vagus nerve, which is the longest nerve in the parasympathetic nervous system is really important. So you want to focus on that as well. Um, so that would be like my biggest tip ever. Like it's so simple. Everyone's an expert in it. Literally everyone listening is an expert and they can do it anytime, anywhere and be good at it. That's <laughs> a great tip. Uh, you trained firsthand in nervous system regulation throughout your life. You had to go through all of your trauma to be an authority and leader in your field. When looking back at all this trauma, all of your trauma, would you change anything? No. 
I could, I just feel the energy behind that. No, <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. I don't know. Yeah. Right. I, you, it's part of the human experience, isn't it? Like, I think people are scared to be human, but this, we, 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 cho- you know, I think we chose to come down here to live on this beautiful planet. And part of being human is to experience that spectrum. Um, and life is much more rich when you swing the pendulum as far as I have. Um, because I am so happy all the time and so thankful. And I've had to work so hard to get here. And without the perspective, I think it would be dull, Yeah, you know? <laughs> so, um, and I certainly wouldn't be able to, to help people in the way that I do, which um, has brought me so much joy. So I wouldn't trade it. You've heard your biggest traumas in your latest podcast. What's been your greatest victory? My babies. Your baby is so cute. Your daughter. Well, we both of them are super cute, but I saw that uh, <laughs> <laughs> your baby on um, a little I, doll. She's a little doll. The eyes. She is, I do call her my. I do. I call her my dolly, and I, I, I absolutely adore both of them. But with Adeline, I had like a had a home birth, um, despite the entire system telling me it was a bad idea. I opted out. I'm not advising this. This is definitely not medical advice, but I opted out of um, like care really. And I um, did self-hypnosis during my labor and had her into, had no assistance and had her into a pool of rose petals. And um, it was insane. Like it was just, she is the most chill most happy human being. Um, and like the energy in that room was, you know, red roses are the highest vibrating things on the planet. And I just wanted her to be like brought into the world surrounded by, um, just red petals and so much calm, you know, there was no fear, there was no anxiety. And I think, um, in contrast to what happened in my first birth, which is a totally different story. I'm so proud of myself for like fighting the system and like, um, believing in my body and like doing it all. And just like, I don't know, like it's, it's not an easy world, um, in, in a lot of places to, to raise children the way that I want to. And I put a lot of work to move to where I wanted to be so that life could be the way I want it to be and to parent the way I want it to be. And it is like my greatest achievement. (laughs) It's just beautiful the way that the intentionality and, um, love that you have in all these choices that you've made. And obviously as you share, like the joy of doing this work and just, wanting to really like boost you in that great gift and this like that you're showing up for all of us you know that speaks to being able to be very prosperous because you are just in this beautiful high vibration of yourself thank you so much that's so kind (laughs) it really is like it's yeah all the lovely words like they mean so much to me and I'm so grateful Awesome. Well, we have reached the now what part of the episode, Faith. This has been such an enlightening episode on trauma. What last pieces of advice do you have for our listeners uh, to help them further their healing journey? First and foremost, I think to understand, um, or I would say like to have grace with yourself. Um, You're a human being, you know, like you're bound by these biochemical mechanisms Um, we are descendants of survivors who have survived because our brains think the worst case scenario, because we're constantly planning for the future. Um, we remember the bad things so that 
Um, we can prevent them from happening in the future. There are reasons why we think the way we do, why we store the way we do, and why we respond the way we do. And they're not a reflection on someone's resiliency or character in any way. Um, it's purely just the way we are designed. And I think like that first step of understanding, like it's not you, you're not just like an anxious person. You're not an unlikable person. You're not like a problem person. Like you're just a person who's responding normally to an environment that is not designed to help you like move through happily. Like, you know, like your, your environment is unfortunately like way ahead of what we're biologically designed to withstand. And like, you're in a position where you just have to evolve. You have to evolve the mind, evolve the body, um, and step into this like next generation of like what we're doing on this planet right now, like this quantum leap. So like have grace with yourself, like take a step back and like know that you are not your body. You are not your thoughts. Like you are the observer of all these things. Um, and it's okay. And like, just be kind to yourself. And then everything starts with self-love. Um, so if you don't love yourself enough, you're never going to be successful. So having like the kind of compassion, grace, empathy, forgiveness, and love that you extend to other people for yourself is always going to be that first step to doing any of this work. Beautiful words from Faith Ashenden. Faith, it is time for this or that. Are you ready? <laughs> I, I just don't know, but I'm going to try. <laughs> Three, two, one, time starts now, Glow. Austin or London? Austin. False hope or unnecessary anxiety? <sighs> False hope. Dopamine or serotonin? Serotonin. Painful truth or comforting lie? Uh, it depends. It depends on who. But I'm going to go with painful truth for this conversation. All right. <laughs> uh, EFT or hypnosis? Hypnosis. Talking pets or talking babies? Ooh, talking babies. <laughs> uh, massage or cold pressure? Massage. Fight or flight? Oh. Ooh. Time's flight? up. <laughs> <laughs> this is like this depends on the situation. <laughs> hey, the Shannon, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> That's so fun. Uh, we're gonna put that on uh, YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, and TikTok. Uh, Faith, the, the last part of me not knowing <laughs> what to answer. Uh, Faith, where can the listeners find you? Um, so you can find me on any social media channel at That Healing Feeling, um, especially Instagram. I share a lot of like free resources, so it's definitely a good place to be if you're looking to action anything. Um, if you want to work with me, my website is faithashenden.com. Um, it's also always linked in my bios on um, TikTok and Instagram. And then um, my program that I'm talking about, the Health Transformation Accelerator, is the only capacity by which I actually work with clients. So if you're interested in that, that's the go-to. Awesome. I'll make sure to put all that info in the show notes. Thank you, Faith. This has been such an important episode, such a fun episode. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks, Thanks so for much. having me. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave a positive review. I'm your host, JR. And I'm your host, Helen. Find us on Discord so that we can chat more about EFT, hypnosis, transform, uh, trauma-informed healing. See you guys there. See you guys next time.